Have you been sick so far this year? It happened to me on Sunday afternoon and most of the week I didn't know if I would ever see any of you again. It was, uh, it was bad enough. I made my peace with God. Um, and that is why I called upon one of the hardest working pastors I've ever met in my life. Uh, one of my dearest friends, Pastor Jim Gain. I gave him the call as early as I could if he would uh, do us the, the favor of preaching this morning. Uh, it's probably the worst possible week in which I could have asked him uh, because he had a very, very busy week. He taught a wonderful parent workshop for three hours yesterday and then went to the service and now we're here for two more services on Sunday. But I'm delighted. I've heard the sermon once. I'm looking forward to hearing it twice more. Would you help me welcome our own Pastor Jim Gain? I've escaped illness. I'm pretty, pretty uh, grateful to the Lord for that so far. And those of you that have too, I'm sure you are as well. Um, it's hit my house. It just hasn't hit me. So <laughs> I hear it's really bad. So uh, you might have noticed that in America and especially around this time of year, fitness, weight loss, big deal, right? Um, I uh, looked up some stats on Google. Don't you love the Google? <laughs> I put in fitness programs. I got 13.2 million hits <laughs> for video programs, fitness video pro programs, 2.7 million, and for fitness centers near me, 1.2 million. So I'm sure a lot of those are repeat, but that's a lot. It's an indication, a little bit of an indication about uh, how we're pretty interested in some level of fitness or at least giving it a go, right? I looked up how much Americans spend on weight loss in a year, one year. Uh, by comparison, the city of Huntington Beach general fund budget for 2017 and 18 is $224 million. You might not know it, but it feels like a lot of money to me. Um, Americans spend $60 billion a year. 60 billion with a B on, uh, on fitness. And hey, I wanna be fit. I, I, I fancy myself an athlete, you know? Like I played sports in high school and those are fond memories that are long past. But I still hope that, you know, I can go up the stairs without running out of breath and having to take a knee. Um, about, about four years ago, I, I almost had to take a knee under such circumstances. and. Uh, I just wasn't feeling real good and stuff, and uh, I used to cycle quite a bit, so I decided to get back on the bike, you know. What prompted it was this picture I saw of myself, by the way. You ever done that? You ever get really fired up to lose some weight and get fit because you saw a picture of yourself? You know, I'm used to t-shirts fitting my arms loose, and it was tight, and then it was tight in some other areas we won't talk about, too. And uh, so, you know, um, my resting heartbeat was high, I got my physical, and I like kind of have a goal for that, you know, and I was about 15 beats a minute over my goal, and I'm, I'm, I just wasn't feeling good. So, you know, I talked to some people and did some things. I talked to my uh, fitness guru, Mitch. Uh, uh, he's just, he's a member of our church and a good friend who has a lot of good insights. And I asked him for, you know, if you want to get fit, what would you say are your top, you know, three to five things for someone to, to get started. And he said, number one, have a picture of what you want to achieve and why it's important to you. I kind of already talked about that in 
you know, my intro there. He said, start where you're at. You know, don't bite off more than you can chew any, you know, where you're at is really important. For me, when I got back on the bike, so I used to ride, I, you know, when I was single, I used to ride my bike, play beach volleyball, and surf, and then I had kids. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, so I, it'd been a long time, I hadn't been on the bike in a long time. I sold my old bike, I, I, so I got a friend, he cycles, and he's like, I got a bike you can use, let's try it. And I'm not even kidding, first three, four months, 10 miles, just going 10 miles was super hard. I didn't really realize it, but we were going super slow too. And, um, <laughs> you know, four years ago, 20 miles on the bike would have killed me. And, uh, you know, start where you're at. Don't try to do 50 miles when you can barely do 10, uh, et cetera. So that was important on Mitch's list. He said, have an effective plan, and that includes what to get rid of and what to practice, and it needs to be your plan. Again, it needs to be something that you enjoy. If you don't enjoy cycling, Pastor Bruce and I talk about cycling. I joke with him, you should come cycling with us, and he jokes back, there's no way I'm ever, ever, ever getting on one of those bikes. And so we have a good time with that, but so he, he does stuff that I don't admire, and I do stuff he doesn't admire, and we're both trying to get fit. It's great. Um, <laughs> Mitch says that you should have accountability, friends to help keep you motivated. And when I first got back on the bike, my friend who rode the bike with me, you know, the let me borrow his bike, uh, my friend Danny, uh, he was super motivating and he was super accommodating because where he would normally ride about 20, 22 miles an hour, he was slowing down to the 11 to 13 mile range. And when he would normally ride like 40 miles, we're going 13 miles, um, I'm half dead and he's wishing we went faster and further. But then celebrate accomplishment. And so now after four years, you know, 20 miles is, is not that difficult for me. I do a little bit more than that on, on a given week now. Um, my goal is 100 miles a week. I don't know he's achieved that. Like I got zero miles this week because it rained and because I had a little bit of work to do. But um, uh, it was fun to be able to celebrate accomplishment, to look back and see where I am now compared to four years ago. And that's how fitness can work uh, a lot. It can also work like this. If you're really behind on your fitness, you might look and feel like this guy. <laughs> you know, and, and so it can be that way sometimes. It's kind of how I looked and felt when I first got back on the bike. Everything was pain and misery. And I had to struggle and fight through. But this is what you want to look like. And this is really important to keep in mind. <laughs> and so that's me and my wife, Tomoko. That laugh cost me a lot, let me tell you. <laughs> Oh, man. So anyway, um, you know, I think we find it kind of easy from day to day, if not year to year, however often, to think in terms of our physical fitness. You might want to get rid of that picture. Just for... <laughs> <laughs> uh, we think it's easy. You know, there, there's times of the year it's just easy, um, maybe after a doctor's appointment, um, a look in the mirror, a look at a picture, whatever it is, 
But I wonder if you, how often you think about your faith fitness. The beginning of the year, which we're still kind of in here, I guess. Um, you know, I, I think most Christian people are thinking about that too. And I hope you understand something that's really important. The potential to have a fit faith is in you. It's in you. You might feel like you're behind the game a little bit, but the potential to have a growing, strong, a fit faith is in you if you know Jesus Christ. If he's your Lord and Savior, that potential is right there for you no matter who you are, no matter how long you've been at it. And just like physical fitness, though, if you want to achieve that, you have to be purposeful. You can't be passive. You can't wish your way into physical fitness, and you can't hope your way into spiritual fitness. So I want to talk to you this morning about uh, how to develop a fit faith. And man, the first thing you got to do is very similar to what um, my friend was telling me. You have to choose a picture of faith fitness to pursue. In a year from now, what do you want your faith to look like? What do you want to be true about what you've accomplished and about who you are? Do you think much about that? There's a great book that I know that tells us uh, some leadership principles, and the first one is begin with the end in mind. What are your targets? What's, and you can have a few of them, you can have several, but the Bible offers us some just outstanding pictures of people with strong fit faith. And the first one is the most obvious. It's the perfect picture. It's Jesus. Held out there for us as Christian people, as followers of Jesus, is the perfect human being who lived out a perfect life on this earth with perfect character. It's Jesus Christ. And we're told in scripture a few different times that he is our model. In Romans 8, 29, it says that we were called and predestined to be conformed to his image. That image isn't his physical image. That image is his character, what he manifested through his life. We know the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Paul was a man who pursued Jesus above all else. He had accomplishment and achievement and popularity, power and prestige. He had a lot of money. And he considered it all garbage for the supreme excellency of knowing Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 12, if you want to look there, because we're going to spend most of our time in 2 Timothy 2 and 3. But if you look over at Hebrews 12, I would encourage you, on a little side note here that I'm thinking of, I would encourage you to spend 10 or 15 minutes this week just meditating on these two verses. There are two just amazing verses that are full of awesome transformational truths. After talking about the many heroes of the faith from the Old Testament, the writer of Hebrews says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How do you do that? Well, verse two tells you. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. 
We look to Jesus. He's the author. He gave us our salvation. He came into my life when I was 16 years old. He came into your life at a certain point. He invaded your life, forgave your sin. He's the author of your salvation. He gave you a new life, an eternal life. But he's not just the author. He's the finisher. And he's working in and around your life from the day you got saved to the day you're with him in glory to make you like him. He's the picture. I think that can feel sometimes Jesus being the picture is an awesome template, but sometimes that feels a little overwhelming because he is so perfect. Paul didn't limit, and the Bible doesn't limit, our picture of strong faith to only Christ. We're encouraged to find other models of faith. Look at uh, 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. 2 Timothy is a wonderfully beautiful picture of a a discipling relationship between Paul, uh, the elder Paul, and the young Timothy. And he's writing to Timothy, and he says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And the idea here is that what you've learned from me Take into yourself, model it, share it with others. He repeats this idea in verses 14 and 15 of chapter 3. Timothy, here's this from Paul. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus And there's another place in Timothy where we're told that he learned faith from his mother and his grandmother. And so the idea of learning from other faithful saints as pictures of where to find strength and fitness for your faith is very much in the Bible. Paul actually says a few different times through the New Testament, follow my life, follow my example. And where would we be without the great people that we know and trust in our lives who encourage and challenge our faith faith just by the way they live? People in your family, pastors, friends, church members, maybe authors, people that you associate with that you want to be like them. I've had just countless hundreds of those kind of people through being able to be in this church for for as many years as I've been here. I'd be nowhere today if it wasn't for a few people. I'd be nowhere today if it wasn't for my friend, Fred Williams. I'd be nowhere. He brought me to Christ. If it wasn't for my youth pastor, Britt Seip, uh, for Pastor Melton, who poured into me as a senior pastor and then as a pastor and boss. Uh, I've said before, I learn a lot from the people on staff. I was thinking a little more about that today. Uh, I'm, I'm proud and privileged to work a long time with Cindy Davis, who manifests patience on a level that is astounding. Uh, One of the most, kindness isn't in my wiring, I have to learn it, and one of the kindest people I've ever met in my life is Pastor Bruce. Uh, And I've said before, loving person Gregory, uh, Rachel's full of joy, Uh, Melissa is full of joy and praise. Um, Matt Burkholder is a careful thinker 
And I, I just get to learn from them. And I get to learn from you guys. Uh, in the back, in the booth right now, are three of the most, most faithful people you will ever, 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 ever imagine seeing show up at church. Uh, they're just here, smiling. They're here early. They get here before I do. Um, these folks on the stage who volunteer to play, uh, man, just, uh, I want to be like you guys. And uh, I get to work with a, a, a guy newer to campus uh, named Cecil, who is maybe the wisest person I ever met in my life. Um, and just, oh, we're so blessed. And I, I, if I'm not talking about you, I apologize, because I could sit here. If I went face-to-face with a lot of people who we have relationships with, I, I would mention you. And I appreciate all of you, and you should be looking at people who you want to model your faith after and grow. What picture do you have in mind for your faith fitness in 2018? Because hopefully before today, you've thought of it. Do you want personal growth and spiritual maturity? We talk about table talk around here. Where are you compared to where you want to be? Do you want to be flourishing in your vital relationships at home and in your family and with your friendships and at work? Do you want to have the power to overcome your hurts, hangups, and habits, your sin? Do you want to be effectively passing your faith on to others in a way like you've never done before? Do you want to be experiencing God's peace, God's love, and God's joy? You need to think about what kind of faith you will pursue. Maybe you want to be strong and prosperous, confident, and respected like the man in Psalm 1. I hope you've thought about this. What an awesome goal to think about being able to be like Paul, who at the end of his life, when he knew it was coming near, said that I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. I feel like he was looking back on his life with very little, if any, regret. Or maybe when you get to heaven, you want to hear your Lord say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. You need to have a picture. These are great pictures of faith. They're great things to strive for. What's your picture? You're gonna start with that picture and then number two, you're gonna know what to take a pass on. You gotta get, you gotta get rid of some stuff and here's, here's what you need to get rid of in a general sense. You need to get rid of whatever distracts, whatever diminishes or whatever might destroy your faith. And there's plenty of that to be had around our lives. And in your own heart and in your own mind, even as I say that, you probably thought of a couple things. Eliminate those. There is a very real effort by Satan and the world to distract and to diminish and to destroy your faith. The deceiver comes only to steal, kill, and destroy is what Jesus said about Satan. There's nothing good about He has no good interest for us as believers. He has only bad. Colossians 2, Paul told us to not be cheated out of good, real life with Jesus Christ by philosophy and empty deceit that's patterned after the world. We're told not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And you probably caught it when we read Hebrews 12, but in case not, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. If you run, if you, I, I'm a, so 
I ride a bike, you know, ride, ride a road bike, the race kind, you know, the guys with the tight clothes on and stuff and all that weird. You look super odd if you're 10 feet from your bike. <laughs> so, you know, because you're shedding weight. You're, you're getting rid of the stuff that will slow you down. You're getting rid of the stuff that will keep you from making your, uh, your way up a hill. You're getting rid of the stuff that will cheat how long you can go. And life's the same way, and we're pursuing Christ, and we need to get rid of the things. Let's be serious. We need to get rid of and take a pass on the stuff that God says is not right, that is not good. And he talks about it here. 2 Timothy 2, verse 19, it says, But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Verse 22, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with the foolish, ignorant controversies you know that breed quarrels. We're gonna flee those youthful passions. I like the way in these two verses that it's categorical instead of specific because these truths span the generations our sin tendencies today, at the core, are the same, but they're different. Paul didn't contend with a cell phone. Or liquor mart. Or any number of things I could say. We contend with youthful passions and iniquity the same but different. And we need to contend. And in God's wisdom, he just tells us, depart from iniquity. Gets a little more specific here in 3.1. But understand that in these last days, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. It sounds like my TV guide. And I would add to that, avoid being that person. We have to know what to get rid of. We have to get rid of the weight and the sin that holds us back. And look, let's face facts. Just like I'd rather sleep in, eat a big breakfast, and watch TV than ride my bike, there's hard things to do in our faith. But we gotta see the payoff. That's why the picture's important. We gotta understand the value of getting rid of those things. We gotta understand that we have a loving heavenly father that only wants what's best for us. Because while Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus came that we might have life and have life to the fullest. So God's best and wisest advice to you, his children, is know what to get rid of. 
take a pass on temptation and sin. So to develop a fit faith, we're gonna have a picture of what we hope to achieve. We're gonna know what to pass on. And number three, we're gonna commit to a plan. We're gonna commit to a plan. Fitness trainers devise plans to help you. I found 13.2 million plans. Go ahead and find your favorite one. It's complicated, right? And then you're gonna look at the plans. Some of them are evil. CrossFit is evil. I'm super proud of my friend Fred, who's up in Washington, and he does CrossFit. And he will share workouts. I'll send him a ride I went on. You know, if we do monumental things, we'll, sh we'll share that. Just that it's part of our accountability. And Bruce, the three of us are in on this little text exchange, and uh, we'll tell some jokes and whatever. But he, he sent this workout recently. Uh, he did 48 burpees. How many of you have never done a burpee? Don't even know what a burpee is. <laughs> uh, well, well, Mike, like I said, the workout is evil and I abstain from evil. 48 burpees, 48 jumps, 36 pull-ups. I know what this is. I don't think I've ever done one of these. He did 36 ring dips. That's the hanging, you know, from straps, rings are hanging down, and you do like a bar dip, but it's unstable. And evil, okay? <laughs> evil. Well, I was looking at a couple different Bible verses that we'll read in a minute, but I, was, I translated them into the physical fitness world. Now, I want you to imagine that you did a workout, and you heard, or you're working out, or you're thinking about working out, maybe, uh, these encouraging words. It says, I wrote it like this, do your best to present yourself to your personal trainer as one approved, fit and healthy, who will not be ashamed at the doctor exam or at work or in front of the mirror, rightly sticking with your fitness plan. Isn't that cool? Like, you got a trainer and he's giving you a plan and he's gonna check on you in a couple months, and he checks on you, and you had some targets, and you hit them all, and he says, way to go. Good job. Or what about this one? Your fitness plan comes from the best personal trainer anywhere and is guaranteed to train, strengthen, and reshape you so that you will be extremely healthy, strong, and ready to live a happy, productive, and long life. Those, those are translations of a couple verses you might be familiar with from 2 Timothy. In, verse, in chapter 2, verse 15, Paul says that we should do our best to present ourselves to God, approved workers who have no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. The plan is in God's word. You want a plan? You want a perfect plan for your faith fitness? It's in God's word. And we are told to approach the, the word of God by doing our best so that we're not ashamed. It's God's plan for us to achieve spiritual faith, strength, fitness, to grow. It's a, it's a basic bottom line expectation for all of us. And it's in you. Verse 16 of chapter 3 says, All scripture... Let's fit it into today. God's plan 
is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness so that you will be complete and equipped for every good work. That's God's plan. God's plan is in his word. Do you want to be approved by God? Do you want to stand before him one day and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant? You have to be in his word. A complete faith, a faith that is equipped for every good work is found by following God's plan and it's in his word and we're, we're doing a group workout for 2018 called Foundations 260. And we've been talking about it and emailing about it and I you know, some people are on board. I'm in a, a couple little groups that are going through it and it's super helpful and it's what we're doing as a church to find faith fitness, to be on God's plan together. But wait a minute, maybe you're unsure, maybe you're doubting your ability to even approach God or his word. Look, I feel that way sometimes. Throughout the course of the years, I've felt that way thousands of times. One of my favorite verses matters so much because when I don't feel like I measure up, I can hear 2 Peter 1.3. If Jesus is your savior, this is true about you. I mean, we need to own this. We need to own it so desperately. One of the things we are challenged by as pastors is when, when Christian people are insecure about their ability to fulfill their God-given potential to be strong Christians who walk with God and make a difference in the world. If that's you in particular, I want you to hear this as if God's saying it to you directly because it is coming from him. If you're a Christian today, the Bible tells you that his divine power has granted to you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, you have all things you need. There's not a shortage. God doesn't bless Christians with thimbles. You have everything he could possibly give you to be everything he wants you to be. There's no shortage, and I don't care who you are or what you've been through. You can't argue with this truth. And what you have is a perfect vision of fitness. You have Jesus Christ. He's in your life. He's before you routinely in the lives of other people and especially in his word. You have a full-time trainer. You have the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that when you get saved, you, you are consumed with the Holy Spirit and he gives you power. You have an expert plan to follow from a perfect spiritual trainer, God himself, and that's God's word. And you have a supporting community of friends, the church. What else do you need? What else do you possibly need to have a fit faith. God has given you everything. And so I'm challenging you this morning to develop that picture of faith to pursue, to know what to take a pass on and commit to doing that over and over and over if you have to. It could be a thousand times a day, whatever it is. Reject that which holds you back. And commit to a plan and know you are prepared. You have everything you need.
if you know Jesus Christ. And maybe today you're sitting in here when Bruce prayed for you before I got up and we pray for you as a staff and as a church routinely. If you don't know Jesus Christ, maybe you're just like I was for weeks and weeks I came to church and we used to have an invitation at the end of service where Pastor Melton would ask for a hand-raised response and one of the questions he would ask is, are you unsure about what it means to be saved? Are you unsure? Are you confused about words like born again, saved, believe? But you want to know what they mean. And that was me. And week after week, I would raise my hand. God, I want to know. And maybe that's you, and I want to pray for you today. And I encourage you to pray as well. If we could bow our heads and close our eyes. and If you know Jesus Christ I believe every sermon that comes from God's word and with the partnership of the Spirit living in us, something, at least one something, kind of smacks you upside of the head as what you need to work on. If you know Jesus today, can you just talk to him about that for a couple seconds? And God, I think of just the joyous pleasure it is to be part of this church and surrounded by so many great people filled with faith, love, grace, generosity, service. And while we love you and are so grateful for your grace, we need you desperately as well to be what you've called us to be, to live lives like Jesus, to share his love and to live according to the power of the Spirit in our lives all day, every day. And we're weak and frail and, and confused and, and so we just need your help and we wanna do better. And then I know there's people in the room who are potentially just like I was for so long wanting to know God but confused about it and just needing my eyes open and my heart open to your truth. And for anybody in the room like that, Lord, we just pray that you would intervene right now, that you would reveal yourself as Savior and Lord to them and that they would indicate on a connection card that they need help finding you. So one of our pastors can reach out and show them the way. We're so grateful for your awesome power in our lives, your awesome ministry in our lives, individually and through this church. It's great to be partnering with so many different ministries like Horizon and all our missionaries. And we get to partner in that through prayer and through giving, through serving, and it, it's thanks for letting us be part of your kingdom work. We're grateful. And so we ask you to bless this time and bless this offering now. In Jesus' name, amen.